1: Welcome into to TDSP. I am your host this week, Brendan Vote, and I'm catching up with some friends around the beats at DNVR. I want to know what's going on outside of Nuggets land, so I got my guy Jake Schwanitz with me. Jake, you're holding down the Buffs beat these days. A Buffs beat that, well, it's looking a lot different than it did when you first started. Prime time is in control. Uh, I'm going to borrow from the legend Chris Berman here. Can you give me your fastest two-minute recap? <laughs> What's going on in, in Buffland right
0: now? Sure. Um, well, good to be on TDSP. Thanks, Brendan. Um, yeah, man, it's been a ton of fun. The big talk has been about transfers. Over the last week, we've had five guys come in, three of them from the SEC. Uh, one of them's a long snapper. So I guess really four impactful guys coming in. And that's what we're focusing on this weekend. It's gonna be another uh recruiting weekend, but it's not recruits coming in, it's grad transfers, older guys. And Coach Prime, his philosophy that he mentioned with building this team is 40-40-20, 40% 40 grad transfers, 40% regular transfers that have multiple years of eligibility, and then 20% incoming freshmen, twenty twenty three recruits. And uh, that's been reflected already. We've seen a ton of guys coming in. uh, Basically, ever since Coach Prime was hired and the portal opened, and I don't really see it slowing down. Um, especially after this weekend, we should get another at least one or two commits out of this. Um, But we'll see exactly how it goes in terms of the recruiting trail. We're still kind of I I think we're still in a dead period. It's either today or tomorrow or it's around this point where the the window opens where coaches can talk in person and meet with recruits in person Um, and signing days coming up, too. So today, January 13th, we have about three weeks until that February 1st deadline when the recruiting class um all sign and it's put away and we're on to 2024 on 2024 coach prime has been attacking man he's going Mm -hmm. after the very best in the class i believe he's already offered 10 of 27 five-star guys in this next 2024 class Uh, we've been bold in our predictions there we think that they're going to get at least two or three of those guys it's shaping up to be a real exciting time and as you mentioned off the top a lot different than when we started
1: yeah no kidding so he seems like he's They're attacking this year. They want to have a good football team, not program, but team on the field this Mm -hmm. year. But trying to balance that approach, keeping an eye towards the future, building the foundation for a new generation of Buffs.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, If you go and check out Coach Prime's YouTube videos or his son's YouTube videos, uh, they've got, I mean, there's like eight channels on YouTube that you got to keep track of now. Um, (laughs) But they've literally been tearing down the walls within the facility, taking down old quotes. Oh wow! Coach Prime is really putting his like personal touch on this. He went through, I believe this was a video last week and just walking through the facility talking, literally pointing out, I'm changing this. I want this here. Like we want to put these things in here. Uh, these quotes, words in the weight room, all t- all kinds of stuff. So it's really, as you mentioned, it's trying to balance building a program and then focusing on the recruiting and the transfer side of things to build a team to come in this year. I mean, we're still a few weeks or months away, actually, from spring ball to when these guys finally right. get on the field and start to build that chemistry. Um, but it's going to be a lot of new faces, a lot of veteran faces from around college football um, the grad transfers are going to be so impactful and it's going to be really telling just how good this team is depending on how those guys perform
1: do you have a sense of how many guys are you know from that previous iteration maybe are sticking around not just sticking around but you know might figure into the future are going to play are are, are not going to shy away from this this new wave of louis baggage coming in with Dion?
0: Yeah, so there's a handful, um, and I believe there's three guys that I kind of circle. It would be four if Jordan Tyson didn't get hurt towards the end of the year last year. Uh, He was the real bright spot for them and looked like a true building piece from the get-go last year. We'll see when he gets on the field, but Van Wells at center is going to be a guy who honestly should keep his starting spot at center, kind of be a captain of that offensive line in Terms of returning guys, Trevor Woods at safety, Nico Reed at cornerback are guys who should also factor in and really have an impact on this next team. Uh their left tackle, they call him Tank. He's like 6'2, 325. He's massive. Uh Jared Christian licked in hand. He's gonna be a building block pleat, building block piece. Also, um, there's there's bits and pieces. I mean, there's guys like Montana Lamonius Craig at wide receiver, who a lot of people expect to stick around. Deion Smith will stick around at running back, too. So really when it's all said and done, we're talking about, I don't know, 10, maybe to 15 guys who can truly be impactful, um, which is tough to say because we've only had about 10 to 12 guys actually leave the program. So I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of uh, these faces that Buff Nation has actually grown to know head out very
1: soon. That's what I was wondering, and I would imagine that's the case. There's kind of uh, a (laughs) – obviously you'd like to see the complete transformation into a winning program, but there'd be something even more fun about it. If, you know, some version of the program as it exists is able to be a part of the evolution. Right. Uh, So let's a couple of questions for you that I think one will probably be easier for you than the other at this time (laughs) covering the Buffs beat. I want to know what's most encouraging right now about covering the, you know, obviously we'll talk football for now because that's where the momentum Mm -hmm. is. And then A more interesting one might be more challenging for you, especially since we're a ways away from the season itself. But what's most concerning? What are the challenges still facing Dion and company here in Boulder?
0: Uh, We'll start with the challenges. Um, The chemistry is going to be huge. It's a lot of new pieces, a lot of new guys at every position coming in. So spring football is going to be a huge challenge for this team. They're going to need to build some chemistry um, they're the coaching staff's going to need to do that too. It's going to be a lot of new guys coming in. Of course, a lot of them are familiar with Coach Prime and worked with him before. Um, but I kind of, it's sort of like the Broncos coming into this last year where you have all these new pieces um, at very important positions and it's really about how they gel. Uh, you really hope Coach Prime's a better coach than Coach Hackett, <laughs> obviously. I, I don't think that's hard to do for him. Um, but that's where really my main concern is Um, And I guess you could also be concerned about some of these guys coming in. A lot of them, including the grad transfers, it's uh, unfamiliar roles for these types of guys. Um, It's taking a step up in responsibility in terms of on-field responsibility and being leaders, too. Um, And then what was the other question? Sorry.
1: What's most encouraging, and this is probably 14 different directions you could take it in right now, but a real energy shift around the program.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, So many things to be encouraged about. Um, it just seems like the buffs are back. And I think a lot of people are taking comfort in that. Uh, you've seen some of the reactions of the people that Coach Prime has met just around Boulder and around Colorado in his YouTube videos. It's really touching. And a lot of people were just so, so down on this team, especially right. after last year. Um, and just having that hope back and that uh, knowing that the buffs are going to be relevant Maybe they're not relevant in terms of the big picture. You know, they they may not win double digit games next year, but they're going to be fun to talk about. Everyone cares about them. Um, they're going to be in a high profile game off the bat against TCU. We saw the week zero stuff with Arizona State. I mean, as soon as it came apart, it fell apart. Right. Um, but the buffs are being talked about. They're relevant. And I think that's the most hopeful and the best thing about this for Buff Nation and just Colorado sports fans.
1: Yeah, man. It's really cool. It's really cool. And it felt like it came, you know, out of left field. It was a pipe mm-hmm. dream at first, just Dion, even even around the office, maybe Dion, and then we quickly moved on to more practical options. Yet here we are. I appreciate your insight, Jake, before I let you go, there's two minutes left here. Just a quick, okay. quick rundown. Let's talk about Tad Boyle and that basketball program, 11 yeah. and seven. But as I know, some really strong losses, some really poor losses and some really strong wins, how do you see that season going so
0: far? Yeah, you've nailed it. It's just been so shaky, so inconsistent. The highs have been so high, and the lows have just been awful. Um, you talk about massive wins over, I believe, number 11, Tennessee at the time, and then number 24, Texas A&M at the time. Uh, beat them both, I think, by double digits. The Tennessee one may have been by nine. Um, and then on the flip side, you lose to teams like Grambling. Uh, you lose to Cal on the road. Um And last night against USC, just another kind of collapse. 22 turnovers also, just really sloppy basketball. But then on the flip side again, Saturday, we have a big game against number seven UCLA on the road. Um, It seems like an impossible situation, but that's what this team does. They show up against these big best teams in the country. Uh, They play their best basketball. They actually take care of the ball and hit their shots. We'll see if that's actually how it turns out tomorrow tomorrow. Um, But, yeah, the season kind of hangs in the balance just in terms of the Pac-12 and big picture with the tournament. Obviously, you have the Pac-12 tournament coming up where anyone can make a run and really save their season. Um, But it's hard to really feel super hopeful about this team. Um, As I say that, they're probably going to pull off the upset
1: tomorrow and we're (laughs) right back on track. (laughs) Sure. Well, Jake, I know you're a busy man these days. Appreciate you taking some time hanging out on TDSP.
0: Awesome, Brandon. It's been a it's been a pleasure, man. Love talking it up on this show. Hey,
2: guys. Adam is here. I'm going to take a quick break before we get to our next guest and talk about DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoff picture is locked in. My go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 free bets instantly. Plus, here's the great deal. All new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place an NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR. New customers get can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also want to tell you about one of our new partners here, Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and so much more. You guys know I just got back from vacation in Mexico over the new year, and you better believe, knowing this partner was coming on board, I ordered a couple pairs of Shady Rays to take with me on vacation, and I fell in love with them. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers world-class products that are just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of our eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. I love this. This is the greatest deal. If you lose or break your pair, even, one, uh, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 60 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays, their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deals of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code DNVR or visit them in store at the Park Mentors Mall for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized glasses. That's promo code DNVR, try for yourself, the shade you rays uh, <laughs> try for yourself, the shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people.
1: All right, TDSP rolls on, this is, Uh, A friend of mine who's no longer on the Buffs beat. We now have him on TDSP to talk about the Denver Broncos. Good timing, by the way, Henry, to jump from uh, a Buffs beat to a Broncos beat when uh, you thought the Broncos beat was going to be sick. Then you get that season and uh, now prime time's in in Boulder.
3: Yeah, it's been a pretty crazy turn of events for both of these teams. <laughs> it's it's honestly unbelievable. I remember I made a Super Bowl bet on the Broncos this off season. Now there's people making national championship bets on the Buffs, which I mean is just as dumb as the Broncos bets as some were, <laughs> but they're
1: doing it. Right. Yeah, it's been uh, your timing was impeccable. I got to say, there's been some real energy shifts left and right, I know. but. For those of us who are, you know, have our noses in nugget season, like I do, catch me up Lucky. a little bit, man. Let's get like a two-minute style recap here. What's going on with the Broncos as the season wraps up?
3: Yeah, so they need a coach. They really badly need a coach. And it's been made pretty clear that this ownership group is willing to blow a bunch of money on getting a really good coach, which is an exciting thing. Um For those who don't know, it's basically the Walton family, the Walmart people who who own the Broncos now and have for six months ish. And they have three times as much money as any other ownership group in the NFL, which is why those doors open. And it's also why the Broncos are seen as a more attractive job for head coaches Mm -hmm. than people probably expected based on them losing so many games with a bad quarterback and all of that that you have heard about. Um, So as it stands right now, you're looking at Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh as kind of the two big fish for not just the Broncos, but all of, all of the, uh, the teams looking for head coaches, either one of those are going to take a lot of money, which is what again, separates the Broncos. They can make Sean Payton, the highest paid coach in the NFL. They can make Jim Harbaugh top three highest paid coach in the NFL Um, and on top of that, they can allow them to build staffs. You know, it's not just about the money. It's about here's now $5 million to get, uh, whatever offensive coordinator, $5 million to defensive coordinator. So that's really what's making the Broncos competitive in all this, but it is kind of a a race. It's, it's just who can land Sean Payton. And right now conflicting reports, whether the, the Broncos or the Cardinals are number one on his list. Um, some, some people wondering whether the chargers could fire their coach if they lose. And all of a sudden that would easily be the best job. So, so there are some moving pieces like that. Jim Harbaugh is now interviewing, not interviewing, but working on an extension sort of with Michigan. Mm. He's not making a lot of money there. If he he was salary would jump from like $7 million to $20 million. If he joins the Broncos, Michigan's not closing that gap, but could they get close enough? So there's kind of like the general vibe of where the Broncos are.
1: Is it fair to say that the coaching search is one of the areas where ownership's wealth is a true advantage? I mean, I know you were just hitting on it, but mm-hmm. this seems to be one where it's kind of like open-ended. You, you could write a blank check here, and that's that's going to allow you to be in the running, even if they have to sign up for whatever Russell Wilson just looked like last season. Exactly. And, and it's not just saying, here's $20
3: million, which would – probably tie you with Bill Belichick. The other thing is you don't really know what the salaries exactly are because they don't Mm. have to submit them to the league. There's no like salary cap for those. They're not tracked. Um, But, but as it stands right now, it's like Bill Belichick makes about 20 million. Sean McVay makes about 15 million. Things kind of trickle off from there. Um, And, and when it comes to Sean Payton, who has won a super bowl and has had a whole bunch of success, any team is going to have to offer 17 million probably to get him to leave a a TV job that probably pays him that 15 million already. The Broncos could throw that extra, you know, let's make it 22. You're number one. We, we, we got you there. And on top of that, I mean, it, like I said, carries over to the staff. It carries over to the facilities. You know that those are going to be the best in the, the not, maybe not the best in the league, but well-kept and have the potential to be the best in the league. They changed their field out for that final game of the season. Cost four hundred thousand dollars. A lot of money for a lot of people. For them, it's like as as RK said on Twitter, it's like going out and buying a, a new bottle of milk. Sure. Like, it's it's no big deal. On top of that, like there is a salary cap, but also you can push things down the line if you have the cash to do it you can manipulate things by paying in cash. And so just having all those resources at your disposal saying, we'll give you 7 million or or, uh, $20 million a year over seven years. You know what? Things don't work out. We fire you. Guess what? You still get all that money anyway. That longevity too. There's the, the money really does level out how bad the Broncos were this season.
1: Can you build a case for, I look at the way the season ended. There's a coaching change. There does seem to be some immediate jump in just competence, right? Mm-hmm. Are they how competitive are they? Who knows? But there's a there's a baseline threshold of competence that was suddenly met. It looked like. Yeah. Can you absolutely. can you build Can you build a case that if they find the right coach and do you have one in mind that you can start to get a little excited about next season again? Maybe even with if it's if it's cautious optimism. Definitely,
3: definitely, and it, it would obviously be cautious optimism that there's nobody saying, like, hey, get Sean Payton, here comes uh, here comes the ring, right? But like, you saw it, you saw that last game of the season. They played the Chargers for some reason. The Chargers played their starters, makes no sense at all. But they didn't pull the starters until the fourth quarter in a meaningless game for them, and the Broncos had a 31 to 20 lead, mm-hmm. and that doesn't count for nothing. Like, the Chargers are a good football team that doesn't excuse what happened the rest of the season, but there is enough that you can look at and say, Hey, there there's something to build off of here. And on top of that, you look at a guy like Jim Harbaugh, where he's made his name on rebuilding programs. He, what he, the year before he got to Stanford, Stanford won one game. He's there four years, the fourth year they're 12 and one and finished number four in the country. There's some clear growth. He then jumps to the 49ers who had, zero winning seasons in the previous eight seasons. And in his first three seasons goes to the NFC championship game all three times with a super bowl appearance in there too. goes to Michigan won five games back-to-back college football playoff appearances. So in particular, I think you look at Jim Harbaugh and say like, this is, this is what he specializes in. He could probably turn them around pretty quickly, at least has the potential to then Sean Payton, very good coach with a great offensive track record. He would also get you excited.
1: I would imagine, no matter who the coach is going forward, Russell Wilson will be at the center of the plans, the offense, the conversations, your your life on the Broncos beat. Yes. Do you feel like you have any grasp of to what extent that was maybe a nightmare pairing in terms of an inexperienced coaching staff with an aging quarterback? Did he show you enough post that firing to think, okay, maybe something can be rescued and extracted under different management?
3: I think that we came into this season knowing what made Russell successful. And that was having a really good running game and running play action off of that running game. You know, he really likes to, to run the five wide shotgun stuff. Let me cook in the pocket and carve defenses up. You know, that you give him a chance to try that stuff. He likes to do it. It's whatever, but what has always worked for him is play action building off the running game. And that's exactly what they did in the last week of the season. And it worked incredibly well. You, you still see like the 54% completions. Don't love that, but he's hitting on the deep shots. And that's always been what he's best at: hitting on the deep shots. 283 yards on, I think 23 passing attempts, three touchdowns and interception. That's enough. That is enough. If you mm-hmm. can get uh, Russ up to those numbers every single game next season, you're going to be just fine. You might have to build a, a good running game to say like, this is a good offense. You you might need the defense to step up and make some plays for that to be a playoff team. But the numbers that he put up at the end of the season, the way he played after Nathaniel Hackett was gone is good enough. And, and just seeing that, even though it was only two weeks, it has to give you at least a little bit
1: of hope. We'll wrap up with this. And I'm asking earnestly as someone who truly mm-hmm. doesn't know, I think I saw on the interwebs today, were there first-team, second-team selections handed out? Yeah. And uh, how how did that shake out in terms of the Denver Broncos? Pat Sertan is a
3: first-team All-Pro. You, you have to always be at least a little bit surprised when somebody gets that honor. Because, again, it's top two cornerbacks in the league. Who right. does the media think is the one of the top two cornerbacks in the league? that's a pretty open door for a lot of people get to get up there. Pat Sertan though has played incredibly well. Like you just don't see athletes like him, six foot three, 200 pounds, just that long, that fast, that agile. And then on top of that, the football smarts, the football instincts, the just, just everything about him screams, this is going to be a star in Denver for a very long time. And you know, if you get that first team all pro as a 22 year old cornerback, there could be a lot more of those honors coming. And then the the other one is uh, Justin Simmons, who was named to the second team. He had a case for first team. You know, mm-hmm. he he didn't have a great season. I was talking about this on the Broncos podcast today, but all season you're like, yeah, it doesn't seem like Justin's quite been himself. You know, he's missing a couple tackles. Um, tackles. He missed five games with an injury as well. But then you get to the end of the season and he's forced nine turnovers, which is two more than any other player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a minute. There's there's Justin Simmons just doing the quiet superstar thing in a down year. He misses this much time becoming a second team all pro again and forcing that many turnovers. Those that many big plays for for a defense that was lacking them for most of the season. And I think that that uh, that was well-deserved for him, too.
1: Yeah. And you like to see the defense get something to show for it. They had to go out there week after week and take losses. They often had little to do with. Henry, I appreciate you taking the time, my man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Best of luck with the coaching search, the offseason, all the fun to come at DNVR Broncos. Thanks for having me on. All right, TDSP rolls on. I'm checking in here with Jesse Montano of the DNVR Avalanche Beat. Jesse, I know it has been a different season than the one you guys just celebrated last year. Um, Can you give me a a fastest two-minute recap here that you got? What's going on in Avsland?
4: Yeah, no, it's it's tough sledding right now. Like you said, definitely, uh, definitely not not shades of last year. Uh, but but look, kind of a rundown of how we got to this point. The halfway point for the ABS uh, is coming up tomorrow. Uh, so we go back to the start of the year, and we had some injuries coming into training camp that we knew the ABS were going to be dealing with. Right, Gabe Landeskog, Darren Helm, those were the two. Uh, we knew off-season surgery; they were going to be without these guys to start the year. Uh, originally we had kind of looked at that timeline as about Christmas when you'd be getting those guys back. Well, that was just really kind of where the bad luck started. Things have just kind of snowballed since then. Both of those guys that I just mentioned, Gabe Landeskog and Darren Helm each had to have a second cleanup surgery that basically doubled their timeline in terms of when they could come back. Gabe Landeskog were honestly uh, folks that I've talked to. We're probably still looking at about March uh, mm-hmm. till we see him back. So we've got a ways to go. Um, But so it started with, can you battle through those injuries? And then Brendan, that, that first month, month and a half, that first four to six weeks, it seemed like every other day the abs were hitting the ice and there was a new injury. They had to deal with a a new key player that was out. And the biggest issue for them at that time was, it was every guy was coming up four to six weeks, four to six weeks, four to six weeks. And we were seeing guys actually go on the long end of that timeline. Mm -hmm. So the, the the roster was put under a ton of strain. The few guys that remained healthy were playing big minutes. Honestly, reminding me it has reminded me so far a little bit of the Nuggets here uh, last year. Sure. Yeah, the in, the injuries are a big part of it. They are a huge part of the story. But it's really kind of the larger effects that the injuries have had on the team. You know, you look at a guy like Kale McCarr. He's playing up over thirty minutes a night. He can't play the way that we are used to seeing Kale McCarr play. Right. Uh, you know, he can't be jumping in the way that, that he wants to. Uh, it's just led to, to bigger problems, more frustration for this Avalanche team than what we've seen them had to go through over the last few years. And I think it's caught up with them a little bit here. The, the mental strain, the heavy legs, things like that. Uh, they've lost six in a row. They they, they got to find a way to, to, to hit a mental reset. We were talking about on the pod last night. I'm not saying that necessarily needs to come in terms of like days off or anything like that they got to find a way to turn a page, get out of this frustrating, you know, ugly, everyone's real tense. Got to find a way to flip the page on that. All the talent is still there. This is not that much of a different team right. from last year. Um, they, they got to find a way to battle through this adversity they haven't had to deal with in the last couple of years. But um, realistically, it's not as bad as, as some of the fans out there kind of making it seem. From from a points percentage standpoint, I actually still believe they are on the inside of the playoff picture, even though they are sitting a couple points out in real standings right now. Um, you have half the season left, right? If if you're looking at a month, eesh, I don't know. This is this is pretty bleak. You've got three three and a half months to go. There's plenty of time for this group to turn things around. But um, like I said, they got to get that page flipped quick uh, if if you want to avoid you know having the disaster scenario where you miss the playoffs but like I said shades of last year's nugget season for me
1: sure sure well I was gonna ask you I mean what's what's the case for optimism and is it just that with enough runway some of these guys will come back and and it's I mean look this is still at the end of the day the group that won the title last year for the most part yeah no I mean it it
4: really is minus Nazem Kadri when fully healthy this is almost an identical roster to the roster that, that skated game six against the Tampa Bay lightning last year and, and won the cup. So it's a great point, Brandon, but it, it really is. That's the big point of optimism for me. You see the flashes where, yes, this is still the ultra talented defending Stanley cup champion team. I think they've gotten much better goaltending than people were expecting at the beginning of the year. Um, I, I do. I, I think the the play needs to be cleaned up a little bit, right? They, they need to work through some of those fine details uh, I think there is a bit of frustration that's piled up a little bit. I think you got to win a couple games here. So you got to string a couple wins together uh, to to kind of remind themselves that hey, we are still a pretty good team, and things aren't always going to be going bad. And then yeah, you're going to add back Gabe Landeskog, Val Valachyushkin, Bowen Byram, Josh Manson, and and as long as you can get things, I'm not saying you need to go out and win every game, but if you can get things to the point where where their details are are right, they're putting in the work then yeah, you get those guys back. And I think there's nothing to worry about. Um, So, so that really is the big bit of optimism is that, I mean, you are getting four major key contributors back and, and you see the signs of this is still a very good team. They're just going through it right now. Look, honestly, it's been about four or five seasons since this avalanche group has been hit with like any real hard adversity in the regular season. They were due, um, you know, they've got to find a way to battle out of it. Every Every team deals with stuff like this. The Abs hadn't had to in several years, so um, I, I have faith that they'll get through it. I just think this is too good of a team, too veteran, too too veteran of a team, too good of coaching for them not to. Um, but yeah, you can't let this slide go on much longer.
1: Do you get a sense? And I know I'm asking you to project. We only you know <laughs> only get to talk to these guys in the locker room so much, but right. do you get a sense that this is something they're still fighting for? Right, we're fresh off the title. Is yeah. it easy to just say this season's lost or, you know, do you get a sense that they're still, they realize, they recognize they're a couple key guys away from another yep. run.
4: Dude. It's so funny. You ask about that. Nathan McKinnon last week, uh, or in fact, I'm sorry, dude, my days are almost, it was earlier this week. It was at the very go. beginning of this week uh, was talking to me about repeating. He, he just kept mentioning like, yeah, you know, going back to back and mm. doing this, and, you know, we're trying to repeat like, I didn't get this, like any sense of panic in Nathan McKinnon's voice. And he, you know, not without directly saying it, made it very clear that in his mind going back to back is still like the goal. That is still what this team is shooting for. Um, Because like, dude, you're right. It, It would be really easy for this team to say, we just rattled off five straight years in the playoffs. We have a president's trophy. We now have a Stanley cup. We have this, that, and the other. Eh, if it's not our year it's not our year right uh, that is not the sense i get from this group right now as Good. frustrated as they are in the moment uh like i said nathan mckinnon i think three times he said back to back to me without me prompting it at all so it's definitely still the the point of focus uh for the leaders in that room and
1: then my last question for you is more on our side of things than the players mm. we have the privilege of doing post-game shows which can be the coolest yeah. thing in the world after a big win it could be tough after a tough loss yeah how challenging has it been for you guys and gals on the abs beat to do what you do every day kind of knowing you're in this limbo stage
4: yeah so I'll be honest it's been these last two games where I think that's you know I mentioned catching up with the Avs a minute ago I think these last two games are the first time where it's really kind of caught up with us because I think for a lot of the first part of the season there was a little bit of like uh, like abs fatigue even on like the fan side of it right where it's like they won the cup they get you know they get a lot of runway here Yeah, they're dealing with injuries they're whatever whatever um but Nathan McKinnon came back uh the early part of last week um and things haven't really gotten better and I think there has been a kind of a flip in the tone of oh is everything going to be okay Mm. so these last couple postgame shows have been the first times where we've had to like okay, let's stop and talk about what's actually going on here. We can't just write this off to injuries or, you know, they're depleted they're whatever, whatever. Um, So, so (laughs) thankfully the, the the championship bought us a little bit of runway uh, (laughs) as well in terms of having to do these like kind of doom and gloom shows. But yeah, dude, like if you watched last night's show, like it wasn't fun. Sure. You you know, you you lose to the last place team in the league in regulation. Um, that, That was the first show that I've been a part of this year where, yeah, dude, no, it, it wasn't fun. But I, I really do, like, I'm just trying to keep my mindset of this is the defending Stanley Cup champion team. We have five years. We have a body of work of the last five years with this coaching regime and, and this core that says we know who they are. Right. I, I just, I don't believe that they have changed this much in the last six months I think it's the injuries. I think there's some frat- fr- frustration piled on top of those injuries and how they've kind of affected the team. Uh, and I think that's what they're dealing with right now. But um, ultimately, I think it's something that a veteran group will work through and and they'll be fine. But it, but it, it can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, uh, especially after games last like last night.
1: As you pointed out, we can relate on the Nuggets beat. Thankfully, <laughs> we're on the other side of it this year. Jesse, no appreciate kidding, taking the time. I know you've been busy, man. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season.
4: No, dude, I uh, always appreciate it. Love chatting with you, dude, every time we get the chance to. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll talk to
2: you soon. My pleasure, man. I want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery and the brand new beer that they just launched, the Mile High City Golden Ale. First thing you got to know about this beer is it has the most beautiful beer can you've ever seen in your life, a retro throwback paying homage to the Denver Nuggets history. It's that beautiful beer can with the mile, uh, with the uh, rainbow skyline that reminds you of the Nuggets of the 1980s and early 90s. Breckenridge Brewery has been doing this for 32 year- years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. At our, at our bar, the DnBR bar, we've got the Avalanche Amber Ale on draft, Vanilla Porter Jr.'s, Bronco Country Pale Ale, Fun Slingers in the can, Good Company Hard Seltzers. If you're not a beer person, you can get in on the seltzer life. Uh, or if you want to check out any of their delicious beers, you can go to the Breck Brew locator at breckbrew.com to find out the different beers that are available at liquor stores and at bars near you. So check it out at breckbrew.com also want to tell you guys about one of my favorite places in all of Denver, Illegal Pete's. New year, new diet. Well, quit push it, pushing it off because Illegal Pete's has what you need. Endless options of fresh ingredients that can fit almost any diet or dietary restriction. It's all a no-brainer. Eat at Pete's for the health of it. Check out any of their 10 locations for happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. every single day. No happy hours for you this month. Try out a refreshing Hoplark Citra at any Illegal Pete's location. It's everything you love about ice-cold beer, except it's dry January-friendly. Illegal Pete's is always our go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer.
1: All right, let's wrap up with a topic that even I know pretty well. I've got Harrison Wynn, my partner on the DMVR Nuggets, beat there. And Harrison, the Nuggets are... Out of purgatory, they're enjoying some good vibes right now. I'll say out of this, I'm going to let you handle it. Will you catch up, our listeners, as fans, Broncos fans,
5: Buffs fans, what's going on with the Nuggets right now? Right now, the Nuggets are the best team in the NBA, I think. Uh, they're 28-13. and 13. They're at the top of the West. They have the best offense in NBA history. Best in the league this year, obviously. Uh, they've been playing incredibly well. The starters have been great all season, but... Recently, they've started trying on defense. The defense has been on the up and up. It's trending in the right direction. They found the right combination off the bench as well. Jamal Murray's finding a rhythm. Michael Porter Jr.'s playing the role Denver needs him to. Things could not be going better for the Nuggets right now, actually. It's hard to believe after the the season and a
1: half they've had. And I think even to start the season, man, because the defense, which you just mentioned, is trending up, it wasn't there. And there was a little bit of this is not what we hope to see. But lately in December and January, would you say it's fair to say like they've rounded into and are starting to meet those expectations we set for them before the season started?
5: Oh, yeah. Last 15, 20 games are you know, a borderline top 10 defense. So what we thought about this team preseason – we're seeing it right now we knew they'd be incredible on offense we thought they'd be good on defense and in this current moment they're just exactly how we imagined them you know a few months ago so uh the plan that that Denver had for this season seems like it's coming together you know more and more by the day totally totally and with the defensive focus kind of being a something that the
1: whole organization's focused on, not just Malone, but Calvin Booth, going back to his offseason acquisitions. What do you think has gone into this turnaround? There were so many questions, so few answers about why they were struggling to start the season. What's changed? Why,
5: why do they look this good now? It's as simple as them trying more. <laughs> it really is, I think. Nothing crazy has changed. I feel like they're still playing the same scheme. They're still playing the same guys. Um, They're just trying more. And that's 80% of what NBA defense is, I think, at least. It's you getting these guys to buy in, and Michael Mullen's been able to do that over the last couple months. Maybe it was a thing where, you know, this is a veteran team. They have championship expectations. They know they're going to be in the playoffs. They know they have a really, really long season ahead of them. Maybe it was something where they just – didn't want to expend that much energy at the beginning of the year defensively. Right. Hey, I can't really blame them that much for that looking back on it. Um, But now they're locked in, you know, you know, now they're, they're locked in, they're connected, they're one unit, and it's been great to watch.
1: A lot of teams in the NBA that were bringing that kind of energy from the get-go are now in their sort of stretch of the season where they're trying to figure some things out. I think it's really hard to play with that effort and that focus uh, for 82 games but the goal is not to peak here on January 13 the Nuggets want to get the whole thing done what are some areas of improvement that remain for you and are those things that they clean up internally do they gotta go and make a trade how how can the Nuggets
5: get better from here Well, the defense can keep trending up I mean that's definitely a huge thing to watch over the next month or so can the defense stay at this level if it does I mean you just got to be feeling great about this the possibilities around this team in the playoffs. And the other big question mark was the bench. Like the starters, the starters are great. We do not have to worry about the Nuggets starters at all. They fit great. Like one through five, it's just a great combination of guys. The bench was a huge question mark heading into the year. It was a huge question mark over the first couple months of the season. Now they've got kind of the right combination for now. Mm -hmm. Once Jeff Green gets back, once they actually get fully healthy, the biggest thing they've got to answer is, you know, who are the guys that we're going to rely on off the bench? Because when you get into the playoffs, you're not going to be able to play definitely four or five guys off the bench. You might only play three, right? So a big question for this team right now is, and this is a question that they can answer over the next you know, couple of months. This isn't immediate, but who are our top eight guys? Who are who are the three guys on the bench that we're going to go to battle with every night in a playoff environment? And are they on the roster? Does a consolidation trade make sense? You know, if you can maybe turn
1: two or three of those pieces into one of those three guys you trust in the playoffs, Do you, is there an area, is there a position? We've talked about backup big a lot. Can the Nuggets go into the playoffs with Zeke Naji and DeAndre Jordan, or do you think there needs to be an alternative
5: plan in place? At this point, I'd be okay with that happening. I'd be okay with them going into the playoffs with Zeke, Najee, and DeAndre Jordan. I I think Zeke could give you five minutes in a playoff game. I think Aaron Gordon's going to actually play backup five a bunch in the playoffs. Now, you might think I'm crazy because he hasn't played a single minute of backup five for the Nuggets this season, but in the playoffs, I could see it happening. So I, I would not go out and, like, really try to make backup center a priority if something falls into their lap if there's a deal out there that's just a home run yeah i bet they do it but i think if they're going to add somebody it's going to be a long versatile defender who can guard threes and fours do you have someone in mind
1: do you have a grouping in mind or i know it's kind of tough to to pin down that perfect trade if we could we'd be in front offices but are there some player types you have in mind
5: a player type would be uh, Jalen McDaniels on Charlotte. He's a guy who's available, and who Charlotte probably wants to trade. Six nine, versatile defender, can guard threes and fours, maybe even some small ball fives. The question is, like, I don't know how good of a player he is. He, he's the prototype that the Nuggets want, and that the Nuggets want to build out their defense with. So I think he could help defensively. Uh, he probably subtract from from what denver's doing on on the offensive end now. all in all i'd say they're in a pretty good position
1: my man uh i am gonna you and i both have to go because we've got a retro night to get to here nuggets Mm -hmm. head clippers appreciate you taking the time harrison
5: for sure man